welcome to episode 110 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAdd.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I break down the latest Apple earnings, then hit the air and the high seas with the latest iOS game releases. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. It's been a while. I know, yeah. I was on a business trip for two weeks in Israel, and you were at Comic-Con, and... Finally, we're able to get back together again. And luckily, Apple has some news for us right when we do get back together. And we get to now have Apple's quarter three 2019 earnings report. This runs from April 2019 to June 2019. And Apple is pretty much on par from last year. Essentially, they posted a revenue of $53.8 billion compared to $53.3 billion in the year-ago quarter. And then profit is now 10 billion instead of 11.5 billion. So revenue is only a difference of 500 million, but profit is down 1.5 billion. So I'm pretty sure tariffs have some involvement there. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's got to be it. I mean, it's kind of uh, expected with the way the economy's going right now and those tariffs that they're going to get hit. And there's no breakdown here as to as far as if that's from their China sales, because we have seen that they've been struggling with sales in China where they're dropping prices to try to sell there. And I, I don't know, we don't have a lot of details of exactly where that, that drop, what caused that drop, but it's, uh, it's kind of expected. Yeah. And it is worth mentioning iPhone is, of course, Apple's most important portion. And revenue is down nearly 12% for the iPhone portion compared to the year ago quarter. So it's offset by the growing area in services and wearables. And then the Mac and the iPad are kind of at the same level. So iPhone sales, again, the whole China market is interesting that Apple doesn't break it down. They don't break down the sales numbers anymore. And it's definitely Apple in one portion is diversifying their product offerings. But on the other portion, iPhone is still very important and it's not doing as well as it used to. Right. But I mean, at this point, we're still on the verge of the next models. But yeah, I, it's got to be that the China is that drop down there. But uh, at least they now do have these other product offerings to kind of offset any kind of drop in the iPhone market where wearables is is moving up. And so and services as well. But it is kind of concerning that obviously the iPhone's not as doesn't have that long tail that it used to where it kind of just kept on selling and selling and selling where now we do really see these peaks and valleys of of things going up and then kind of trailing off after the new release yeah it's funny tim cook and the earnings call specifically said that revenue grew in all of apple's geographic segments and all of its non-iphone product categories so (laughs) i mean that's that's good but that's also bad (laughs) Right, right. I mean, yeah, they have to bring the positive, like, hey, your other stuff's doing awesome, but yeah, you know that iPhone, the one that we, yeah, it's not doing so hot. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I think this is just the way it's going to be. I mean, we've kind of gone away from these major iPhone releases that everyone's got to have and keep on buying. The things are way more expensive nowadays where it's not as much of an impulse purchase. You don't have the offset from the carriers to make these things cheap that people are going to be upgrading as soon as their contract ends. They're holding on to them longer and longer. 
So it's this is just going to be the whole trend of how things are going to change unless they find a way to reduce the price of the iPhone. And then there's not the deals throughout the year either. You know, the April to right. June quarter, you're not going to get the early upgraders. You know, that's kind of the people who are upgrading right before the new ones are coming out in September. So that market is always going to be upgrade dependent. And to have that drop shows that, again, it's that whole tale of iPhone sales and the consumer base is getting more intelligent to wait. And then, of course, international is always going to be important. Whenever you look at Apple's earnings reports, it shows you that about two-thirds of their earnings come from international markets. So we like to have that perspective of, you know, oh, it, my friends or me or all the people I know do this with iPhone sales. So we're going to extrapolate that off to data. That is really not impactful on Apple, but it's fun as a personal perspective. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and now we just heard that there's going to be new tariffs on China. So who knows if this is going to have even more of an impact on this next quarter going forward as well, where we're going to see a drop off even more before we get that new release of the iPhone. Uh, and then maybe people are willing to, no matter how much it goes up in price, uh, to just go ahead and bite the bullet and, and upgrade and get the new phone. Yeah, it seems like Apple's pretty much said they're going to eat the tariffs on their end and they're not going to pass it on to the consumers. But when you have such an exorbitant Apple tax in place, how do you know what part of that is broken down for just covering, you know, Apple's brand recognition or is it tariffs or is it all the little design and marketing implementations? So Apple could say whatever they want. Right. Whatever. Even if the price goes up, they're going to find a way to swing it to not mention tariffs, but say it's this amazing new tech that we have in the phone that costs more money that we have to we have to increase the price. So who knows? And then if you've listened to our previous breakdowns of Apple's earnings reports, you know that the iPhone is usually responsible for two thirds of Apple earnings. There's a pie chart and then a big, huge section is iPhone. Well, it's been slowly dwindling off of that two-thirds portion. And as we've mentioned so far, iPhone isn't doing as hot as it used to. It actually dropped down to 48% of Apple's earnings. This is the first time since 2012 that the iPhone wasn't responsible for at least 50% of Apple's earnings. Wow, yeah, yeah that's... Uh... That's that quite concerning. a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is quite that is quite some time since this happened. But yeah, I mean, it, I don't know what they can do. There's really not much they can do to to boost this back up unless they did something majorly different with the phone that made it must have and reduce the price. They're, people are not buying these as quickly as they were at over a thousand dollars for the phone, like. This is why iPad sales have slowed down, too. People don't need these insanely expensive devices every year or every two years. They're holding on to them much, much longer now. And I guess, again, we've focused on the iPhone negatives, but services hit an all-time high, earning approximately $11.5 billion, and Apple's really investing heavily there. You know, this is their existing services like Apple Music and iCloud and all those cool fancy things. We're not even talking about the soon to launch Apple Arcade or Apple TV Plus, which Apple spent a whole event in March amping up. And now we're getting closer a month away from the launch of those. And right at this point, we don't even know the pricing of them yet or how much money they have the potential of bringing in. So yeah, my guess is they're still figuring this out and trying to decide where they're going to land 
looking at the other offerings that are coming from these other studios and other services like Disney today just announced their bundle with Disney plus ESPN plus and Hulu. Uh, so now we're going to have to see where Apple lands. Are they going to have this bundle? Are they going to have these individually priced where they are kind of people are just going to jump on them? I, I, this services does include Apple news. So, uh, who, who knows? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really curious to see how the pricing breaks down on all of this. Yep. And you know, it's worth noting that Disney is going to bring you the ad supported Hulu plus the ESPN plus and Disney plus for 1299. So you can get Disney plus by itself for 699, or you can add in their sports service plus, their acquisition of Hulu all for one price of twelve ninety nine. If Apple tries to launch Apple TV Plus at nine ninety nine, they're going to be really tough sledding. Yeah, yeah. There's just unless they have a massive amount of more content they just haven't announced yet, it just doesn't seem like they have the content to warrant anything above what Disney Plus is going to cost. And Disney Plus already has. An insane amount more content as far as Best we can tell. Best library ever. <laughs> yes. So I don't know. This is still the giant question mark. And I'm almost more interested to see what this final thing breaks down to be than even the new phone. Like, this is where I'm more interested at this point. Well, yeah, the new phone is going to be phone. easy. It's got a new processor, new camera, and yeah, cool. But yeah, <laughs> TV Plus, it's like, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, so and then just the rollout of the apps to like Roku and other services. That's what I'm really more interested in seeing how this is all going to work for Apple and how they're going to pull in money from this uh, versus the more they're pushing services, the new phone. I got to imagine they're going to go to every platform they possibly can. They can't just have it on Apple TVs and iOS devices. Oh, right. They Well, they've already announced that they're going to have the Apple TV uh, app for Roku and for some but of the other just platforms. So. Not with Apple TV Plus right now. When what they announced is just it's going to be the Apple TV app where it's the whole recommendation engine thing. And you can watch your iTunes content, I believe. Right. Yeah, they just so, haven't added in Plus yet officially. Yeah. So, it, but I'm curious. It's got to support Plus. They got to do something if they want subscriptions. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I know. we'll. I guess we'll find out. Yep. And then beyond services, wearables is doing really well. And it turns out the Apple Watch had uh, estimated 5.7 million units sold worldwide during the past quarter. And the entire industry of smartwatches was only at 12 million or 12.3. So Apple's just under half of the entire industry of smartwatches. This seemed like a really large number of watches to me. I'm guessing maybe you had graduation gifts or something like there's got to be some reason for that many of them being sold, I guess, or people are going to start working out for the summer. I, I don't know. It just seems like a really large number to sell in this this quarter. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. It does seem like the entire industry sold 12.3 million smartwatches. I mean, that is a ton, but I guess they're now, people are more open to the idea of getting them. That's, you know, that was probably the initial blockage was, oh, I don't need that. I don't wear a watch anymore, that kind of thing. So I think after four generations, they got over that hurdle and now people are actually considering it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I it just seemed. It, I don't know. Maybe that's that number is just right. It just seemed kind of large to well, me. Well, it's but... worldwide sales. Oh, true, true, true. I was just thinking this was in the U.S. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I guess that makes sense then. Yeah. And we just have to go by these third-party estimates because, like we said. Apple doesn't break down the specific unit sales of iPhone, iPad, and Mac like they used to. And, of course, they've never split up wearables, and they don't break down services of what the app store is generating versus iCloud or Apple Music or Apple News. So you kind of just have to go by third-party estimates, and Apple is really just following the lead of other companies like Amazon and Google and Samsung doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, if they if none of these other companies are reporting it, why should they? If it could reflect negatively on any one product line that they sell, where they can bury their losses and their gains all in just one category instead. Yep, and so I think that's a pretty damn good breakdown of Apple earnings for Q3 <laughs> 2019. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Because Q3, it's kind of a Mech quarter, you know, once we get to Q4, that's their whole back to school season. So they'll have the deals on Macs and they'll be trying to clear inventory to set up for the holiday quarter. So that one has more fluctuated and more processing things. Q3 is a really kind of quiet quarter for them, especially because they used to have that March iPad event and you could pump iPad numbers and stuff like that. But now they went with the whole services thing and there wasn't really a big announcement at WWDC in terms of what they're selling. It's all just things upcoming. Yeah, and Q4 is going to be a big one, too, because that's going to be the start of the services of all these services because they're all coming in the fall. And that's also going to be the new the start of the new phone sales as well, should all fall within that Q4, if my math is correct. I believe that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, last so couple all weeks. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the last couple of weeks. So all that stuff should start to fall in the tail end of Q4. Unfortunately, they're not going to break it down that we'll see the, how much of an effect that has. But I think if we look year over year, we will see some effect uh, in that in that Q4. Uh, we'll obviously see more in Q1 2020 that last the holiday quarter. But um, I think Q4 is going to be interesting. Yep. And just uh, to put it in perspective, Apple's expected revenue for Q4 is 61 to $64 billion, So they're expecting a nice quarter, too. Yep. And so that means it's time for some new games. And since we've been gone for a couple of weeks, the games didn't take a break. And so they've kind of stockpiled up. And there's some pretty high-quality releases. The first is Sky, Children of the Light. And the biggest takeaway of this game is it's absolutely gorgeous it's just utterly beautiful rendered on the latest ipad or iphone and essentially the game itself i don't know how much there actually is to it i played quite a bit into it and it seems like i didn't know if there was an actual game like it's this whole exploration (laughs) adventure idea you're going around and it's like you're just kind of following along with the path that the game is leading you on but it's more like this interactive movie experience i didn't know if there was any game to it when you go and find these little silhouetted ghost constellation embodiment people and then you light some candles and then all of a sudden you're flying through the air and again it's amazing to look at it's really effortless to control but i don't know what the game is so if you just want beautiful eye candy and just let test your device to see what it's capable of and maybe even have like a zen mode flying around experience this is the game for you. Beyond that, I don't know 
what else this game actually offers. Yeah, so I haven't actually played too much of this yet, but it comes from uh, that game company. I'll tell you why in a second, but it comes from that game company, all one word, which is the same people that did Flower, and this week they just released another one of their popular games on iOS called Journey, uh, which I have not played. But Flower was a, lo- a similar kind of thing where you kind of just flowed with things and you floated around and you kind of just went where the game took you. I I don't know that you ever really knew exactly what you were doing or where you were going, but you kind of just let the game take you there. And this kind of has that same feel. I could not get it to load whatsoever on the original iPad Pro, the 9.7 inch, and it would load up and either just crash immediately or load up and then try to download the extra audio. And then as soon as that audio was downloaded, crash immediately. And no matter how many times I deleted, reinstalled, re-power cycled my iPad Pro, never got this thing to load. So finally, I just loaded it up on my iPhone X, and it loaded up fine. And like you said, I wish I could have seen it on the nice, big, beautiful iPad screen, but just even on the smaller iPhone X screen, the visuals are just really captivating, especially if you're using headphones too, like the sound is enveloping and it just really draws you in. But like you, I didn't really have any clue what I was doing. I'm just kind of wandering around and eventually I'd run into people. I found this thing which gave me wings and then I could fly for very brief periods of time. uh, And then that seemed to run out of power and then I could just run around and jump. So I was a little lost as far as to exactly what I was supposed to be doing. I know that it's this whole kind of like a social game where you kind of meet up with just people you find along the way and you're supposed to like share the love and do stuff. I I just couldn't couldn't figure out exactly. (laughs) I couldn't figure out exactly what I was supposed to be doing, but uh, it definitely is a beautiful game. But uh, yeah, I, I just, there wasn't enough guidance there to tell me what I should be doing. Yeah, I mean, it's not challenging either. You know, you can figure it out just because it's this big barren wasteland and then there's this bright blue light to the left. It's like, well, I better go to the left and see what that bright blue light is. Or now here's this like little orange gate. I better go to that. And you just kind of go along that idea. You start off in Isle of Dawn and the one kind of take back that you realize as soon as you start, there's all these other arches and gateways. And this game is free to play. And you're like, well, Am I going to get these arches and gateways just by playing through the game? And as you realize in the app store description, it says finding app purchases. And there's all these like season passes and various things that range from 99 cents up to 49.99. You realize that those other arches aren't going to be just accessible by playing through the entirety of the game. And that's definitely another stumbling block. So that's three stumbling blocks. You have, I don't know what the gameplay actually is. You have this whole social connection that doesn't make any sense at all beyond seeing silhouettes of other characters that look just like you, but they're like grayed out silhouettes. I don't understand what to do with that. And then you have this whole future (laughs) in-app purchase stumbling blocks to actually dive into the meteor part of the game because maybe it gets more complex. I don't really see the core mechanics don't allow for more complexity really in the actions just because you have flick to jump, tap and hold a boost and glide around in the sky or just move around, you're not going to get the most complex sequences. I mean, that flower comparison is perfect because it's a beautiful game. It's a zen-like experience. And 
that's a fine <laughs> a fine offering for a certain subset of people, but it's not really a game that you're going to keep coming back to. Yeah, I just I especially it annoyed me so much that I tried and tried and tried to get it to run on the iPad that I it doesn't seem like something I'm going to come back to that often, especially just not on the phone. It just I really wanted something that I could kind of do within the game. It just <laughs> I felt like just a lot of exploration and not much anything of anything not much payoff to that exploration either you get to a point it's like like candles and it creates this mural on the wall and it's like does that mean something to me do i need to care about this mural (laughs) like i don't i don't i i mean to be completely fair i have not played that much of it yet but i felt like there should be more puzzles or more something for me to go and try and figure out and do a reason to other than just the visuals to want to spend more time in this world. And I just, I didn't see it at least in, in the limited play that I've had so far. And from what I could tell, I don't know that that's really in this game, but again, I have not played that much of it yet, but I, there's not much pulling me to play more. There was so much design time that went into creating the world. I don't know how much design time went into making the game because even on the front of the app store, there's a whole article about the design process. It's an interview with the developers and they just talk about how it took six years to develop and design and all these rough drafts that went through the process to create all these different worlds to explore. But what about it's a game? You know, it's not just like an interactive app experience. And that's where it seems to it didn't make that leap to be in a game. Yeah, yeah. But. It's available, and if really you want a beautiful-looking item running on your iOS device to really push the processor, say you have that brand-new iPad Pro or you got the iPhone XS or whatever the case, this game is going to be one of the best to really put your device through its paces. Yeah. So that's Sky Children of Light. It's free. It's universal. Again, keep in mind, you can get a season pass for $50, so (laughs) get ready. (laughs) And then there's a game called Worse Than Death, which comes from the makers of Home. And it's a similar, or I should just say maker. I think it's just a solo developer. But uh, it's a similar horror adventure style with this whole 8-bit or 16-bit retro art style that this game tends more into quicker action sequences. And also it has these uh, kind of animated comic cutscenes. So it builds on the base of the original and this one, you start out by playing this lady who's going back to her high school reunion and you find out kind of some terrible backstory with her best friends and all the friends she used to. And it's 10 years in the future from when she was in high school and those bad things happen. And she goes to the reunion, she goes into the school and you start to encounter the people you used to know and it has cool, fun little story developing. And then you dive into the idea, the core structure of the game you run into this monster, which is almost invisible, and that's going to be the crux of the entire experience based on that one high school reunion night. Yeah, so it's, it is like a point-and-click adventure, but then there's this whole stealth element to it because of that creature. So what will happen is as you're going through scenes and exploring and tapping things to look closer and you'll get hints towards uh, puzzles, There'll be times where all of a sudden you notice this little meter at the bottom of the screen where 
your character is their heart rate is going skyrocketing and then things start to get dark and you know that the creature is coming. So you need to quickly but not run too fast because that's going to raise your heartbeat even more. Get to a spot somewhere in the scene or get out of the scene that you're in uh, where you can hide. And you'll so there'll be certain areas where you'll see this little eyeball kind of pop up and you can tap on that and your character will hide. You have to wait there until like the creature goes by you enough and then your heart rate comes down at which point you can then get out of hiding and then run for another hiding spot or run to get out of this location where you're currently at where this weird creature is if for some reason the creature catches you you see a bloody mess and you die and then you kind of restart right where you left off but it becomes this thing where you kind of have to time things of knowing how long you have to wait to then run to another location. Hopefully you know where another location is, like a locker or a a doorway or something you can hide in to avoid the creature and eventually make your way to wherever you need to go. But it's a neat little thing because it causes this tension throughout the entire game where you know as soon as you hear the sound and you see things, you're like, oh great, the creature's back, I gotta do this, and you now we're in stealth mode and trying to figure out how to do it. and you never know when there's going to be another scare or something that's going to throw you off so there's always that level of tension there which is what the the whole story is all about at this at the point that this creature comes in into the storyline and you have that whole stealth portion and it's just to kind of expand the core puzzle adventure idea because you still have that point and click idea where you're tapping on objects in the environment and those will give you clues that you need to piece together to unlock the puzzle sequences to move forward. And you're always distracted or pushed in a different direction by that monster that comes by. So you always kind of have that delicate balance of, okay, I'm exploring and solving puzzles, but there's always potential impending doom when I go into another room. Right, yeah. And and so it helps to really set the mood and the theme of the story. I... So, like, most of the story is in that 16-bit art style, but as you mentioned, there are, like, these great things that look like graphic novels or comic book scenes that come up. I almost wish the whole story was done in that art style. I love the the comic book art style. Uh, But it's a really interesting thing, because now they kind of juxtapose these two different art styles where anytime you see this weird creature, it's always during, like, the 16-bit, uh, kind of that rough art style, and so you never can really, it makes it even harder to make this thing out as it's kind of going in mist by you, and you don't really know what this thing looks like. You only see the incredibly horrific aftermath in these really ornately drawn comic book pictures, like when you explore an area that looks all bloody, now you see what happened to this thing. Or if you get killed, the the cutscene is in, like, that comic book art style. So they do a great job of, like, really showing you the detail of the stuff you don't necessarily want to see, but you see it in that really nicely drawn art style, and the stuff that is kind of supposed to be obscured to your character is in that art style that's tougher to make out details. So it works really well, the the way that he's designed the game, and uh, just have those two kind of fighting with one another. And it's just a super engaging idea, because kind of the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game, it's really just exposition and backstory 
to define this character and her relationships with the town, the school, all these other people. And so that way it has more meaning down the road. And then as you get into the game, it's more... You you don't worry about the story as much because they've already set it up. So now it's more just that survival and puzzle solving. And it keeps you wanting to go forward and get through the entire game. I remember that about Home. It was one of the few games I went back to and completed the entire thing because the story and gameplay was engaging enough. And now he kind of has that as a base and built and expanded on it with these new graphic cutscenes, with a longer story, and with that stealth mechanic. Yeah, yeah. This was really... I, I didn't know what to expect with this one. I mean, I loved Home, and so I knew that I would probably enjoy this, but this kind of really impressed me. They, I was really surprised. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew it was another horror... Uh, point-and-click adventure type game but just having that whole stealth along with the the puzzle kind of really created something different and new that it uh it felt like a a, a new take on this genre or a new take on the the point-and-click style just by kind of melding those two together and i was i'm i'm really impressed and i i really have enjoyed this game yep so that's worse than death it's 399 it's universal and then there's hyperlight drifter which is a game that really calls back to the kind of classic Zelda idea of an action RPG, but then it's with that whole art style of uh, kind of the past, but then it's these modern futuristic flares to it. It kind of reminded me of Sword and Sorcery with the art style combined with... So Sword and Sorcery is kind of this 2D side-scrolling idea, and this is more of the top-down adventure, but similar ideas going on. And that's a definitely good starting point. And then it's set in this futuristic robotic world where you have this drift ability to go over platforms with gaps and you have a gun and a sword at your disposal to fight these various types of enemies. And the main takeaway is that as you're getting into this game, you keep unlocking map bits and you really take an appreciation for how big and expansive this world is. There's a big, huge game to explore with these core ideas of simply dragging on the left side of the screen to move, tapping your sword button, tapping your gun button, and then you have this little like robotic buddy that can interact with the world to activate lifts or get health kits or what have you. Yeah, to me, immediately what came to mind was this has almost felt like Sword and Sorcery meets Transistor. And mm-hmm. it was almost like this futuristic world along with that kind of older art style uh, and I, there's almost no words in the game whatsoever. You're kind of just moving around and figuring things out as you go, which is cool in that you're in this weird universe that you're, you're trying to figure it out, but it also can get kind of confusing at times. Like I, the, especially with that little robotic guy that comes with you, sometimes he can heal you. Other times he can't. And I haven't still haven't quite figured out. And I played a bunch of this, uh, exactly when he's going to be able to do that and when he's not it seems like when certain boxes are on the screen he can kind of move over those and turn them into like healing stations or something i don't know i I, i'm still thoroughly confused at times in this game but like you i immediately like as i'm unlocking all these various maps and this thing's getting bigger and bigger and there seems to be like this weird like underworld too and i'm totally confused by the story but the mass of this game, like how large it is, 
it just starts to get almost overwhelming at times because now you're in a new section and you see this whole new part of the map appear and you're like I didn't even explore half the other part like and now I'm in this other large new part and so it just feels like it's getting bigger and bigger and I don't know if I'm going in the right direction if I'm like unlocking too much stuff further down that maybe I should have explored another part earlier and there are ways to kind of warp jump between areas of the map but it's so massive even at this point where I am in the game that I, I'm almost a little overwhelmed as far as to where I should go or what I need to do. Yeah, I'm trying to keep my head down the best I can, and you can talk to various uh, civilians in this different world. Each region has its own completely different art style and design aesthetic, but just to kind of focus on a section, and it will give you like this big boss target or whatever, and try to leave the section that I'm in in the right exit point to be leading towards that eventual endpoint. Right. And yeah, that's kind of the way I've gone. I'm in a section right now where I have a save point where I have to recharge myself as soon as I, I respawn. And then I go into this area with a whole ton of enemies that just start railing at you as you kill them. Uh, granted, there are walls. And as soon as you kill one enemy, uh, section walls come down, which release a new set of enemies. But it's a massive sequence where you got to do some serious killing. otherwise. If you get killed, you got to start over from a, a pretty far off checkpoint. So I've been struggling with that part. I have struggled a little bit with the controls as far as like aiming that gun where exactly where I want it to go. It seems to not be perfect. I have not tried with an MFI controller yet. I is I, I definitely this seems like the type where I I want to try it with the controller. Um, just to see, I think it might help because there's times where I'm accidentally hitting the wrong button on the screen and I, I think I'm using my sword, but then I start warping all over the place because mm -hmm. my thumbs drifted. Uh, it definitely suffers from that a little bit, and I don't know if that's just me, but I, I think the controller would definitely help with this. This does, I believe, come from the PC or maybe even consoles, so it's possible that uh, that's just where it originally was and that works best but uh i i think it's definitely one that I, it could benefit from the controllers which it does support i just haven't tried it yet i've definitely noticed the gun aiming is definitely tough because you have to use both essentially you have to use your hand off of the movement stick to change the aim of your gun and then tap the gun button and also to be able to kind of zoom or hyper do the drift ability instead of the sword attack yes yeah and uh, you'll find especially in the heat of battle where you're just frantically hitting things your thumb will drift and you'll start just like hitting that drifting button instead of the attack and you'll start getting hit and, and lose life uh but but overall i mean it's just the scale of this game is so impressive that you could easily spend hours upon hours playing this thing yep so that's Hyperlight Drifter. It's four ninety nine. It's universal. And then uh, one that I want to mention is Raiders of the North Sea. You might recall that I talked about this. This comes from Direwolf Digital, who did uh, Lotus, and they also did uh, Lanterns, a Harvest Festival. Uh, they do a lot of digital board games, and so now they've brought I. I saw this at PAX East, and now it's finally released. This is Raiders of the North Sea. And this is a kind of a Viking adventure worker placement game where 
you're trying to build up your resources to build raiding parties to then go raid uh, areas uh, with your Vikings and take over them and get more resources and victory points and hopefully be the last man standing and win with the largest number of victory points. And this is just a beautiful adaptation of the the board game they've gone like they did with their previous titles above and beyond added all kinds of animations use the original art from the game added like great sound effects to really kind of build this viking world up and really kind of put you in there and then beyond just uh recreating the in digital form the physical game They've gone ahead and created like a solo campaign mode as well as uh, a real good um, tutorials to teach you the basics of the game and just really organize things that it's easy to follow and easy to play. And you can go ahead and play. There is no local pass and play, but you can play single player against AI components, opponents or play online in, I believe, both asynchronous and real-time games so there is a lot of content here and a beautifully put together app this has all the the makings of a possible game of the year for me uh and i just i'm so glad this is finally out because i I kept on pestering them on on twitter to find out when i could play more of this because i really enjoyed it when i saw it at pax east i i never played the physical game before uh but this is just such a beautiful production that if you enjoy digital board games i think raiders of the north sea uh is really going to appeal to you especially if you like worker placement games like lords of Waterdeep, uh or and things like that and so say i'm brand new to the whole thing and i'm just getting started how long do you think it takes until i feel comfortable enough to play you get go through the four <laughs> tutorials i believe there were and you should be good to go i did how before long do you I, think that takes oh it doesn't take that long at all maybe 20 minutes okay. or so this game's 20 minutes complex. to a half an hour 20 minutes doesn't seem that 20 bad. minutes to a half an hour to get through those tutorials and i did to be fair what i did before i played it uh i knew i was going to try to pax east so what i did was i found a watch it played video for the physical board game that I watched a whole uh, little tutorial of how to play the game on that before I went to go play the digital board game because I, I wanted to know what the game was all about. So I did have that knowledge going into it. So if if you have the time, definitely search up on YouTube, watch it played Raiders of the North Sea. That's about a half an hour, I believe. And you can watch that and that'll, you probably don't even necessarily need to go to the through the tutorials other than that shows you kind of the interface and how it works but that'll teach you how to play too uh and that definitely kind of even gave you some basic strategy uh to help you but this thing does a really nice job of teaching you what the different in the tutorials what the different uh options are where to place your workers and why you would want to pull one worker back and another and building up your party it really takes you through all the basics uh, of getting you going, but I would say probably within a half an hour, you'd be good to go to try your first game. Sounds good. I'm sure people at home would like to know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's Raiders of the North Sea, and it comes from Direwolf Digital, and it's nine ninety nine, and it's a Universal app. And then before we end, we did want to talk about two smaller games. The first one is the Creator with a K, 
And this game is really good looking. It's a gorgeous game. And it's super effortless to control. The problem is that it's super easy. Like, to the point it feels like a zen experience where all you have to do is drag this uh, little light ball and try to collect these little gold diamonds for as long as you can. And, I mean, the when I was playing, I played one time and it's like, the only way I'm going to lose is if I purposely lose. And that's not the best experience. Yeah, so in the game, if you miss some of these little things, then they turn like these black clouds that now come after you. But then you can get other things that kind of fight those black clouds. So you can go for a long time before you get overwhelmed. I think you'll get overwhelmed with boredom before they yes. get you. And then you'll have to basically just let yourself die. It's too bad because it has kind of that really good design aesthetic. You almost get to that Tiny Wings alto's odyssey type of experience but they just cranked the easy button way too far well i thought it's been a while i played it when it first came out so i'm trying to remember i thought they had an in-app purchase to purchase another world which that may be more difficult than the one that you, you get don't think for it just free. changes the design just- I don't know. I'm hoping that it adds more than just the slight design change, but who knows? I did not buy the in-app purchase. Right. But it is free. It's universal. It's called The Creator, again with a K if you're searching on the App Store. And then there's Pokemon Rumble Rush. And just wanted to mention that this game is bad. Essentially, it's a 3D (laughs) version of the terrible Pokemon quest we talked about whatever, a few months ago. And that was a 2D top-down. This is a 3D kind of distance into the fe- uh, into the screen and this game is just terrible you tap repeatedly to attack enemies literally that's your only option there's no other combos or special moves or anything you just tap repeatedly to attack and your character will automatically line up with the enemies to attack and i didn't see a way to upgrade my pokemon essentially you unlock new ones if you have a whole farm of the same exact one there's no way to combine them or anything so it loses that whole pokemon aspect i don't know why they made this game it's yeah it's like an idle tapper and you don't even need to tap like on the enemy you want to attack you just have to tap anywhere on the screen and it's just going to attack the closest then it yep. is the most boring stupidest game that i don't understand why anyone would waste their time like yep. I, I just don't even understand why it was made that that's the ultimate question what who gave the okay the green light to make something that is this bad yes they should I agree. be fired <laughs> <laughs> use that pokemon license pokemon for stuff. much better game experiences come on but there's don't enough purchases the they're gonna make money they're going to make money. I guess that's all that matters. Yep. <laughs> and so I think that's it for every, everything on episode 110. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.